I'm not looking to just buy properties. I'm looking to build equity and I'm looking to continue to build cash flow. I will continue to, uh, you know, to flip houses as they come along. Uh, just sold a uh, flip yesterday. Um, that's always a good feeling until, until it's done, you know, not you know, so I was able to, uh, uh, to buy another house over by Midway. Um, nice little uh, Chicago, uh, you know, Cape Cod style, that A-frame. We, uh, we bought that house for about, uh, I think it was 152000 Bought it for one fifty-two. Uh, we invested about 85000 in the rehab and uh, sold, sold and closed it at three forty-four yesterday. So, the, you know, the numbers don't lie, right? The numbers, uh, still, there's still opportunity there's still opportunity to be had. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we are here with Juan Loya. He is with Homebridge. Thank you so much for joining us, Juan. We'd love to kick this off with a story. So could you just start it off with one of your craziest real estate transactions that you ever experienced? Sure. Well, you know, um, the, uh, there, there's so many to pick from, right? So, you know, the um, one, of, one of my craziest stories is uh, we, we got involved in real estate investing uh, in the inner city. Uh, we were, you know, buying, fixing, selling some properties. Um, and, uh, we had, uh, we had, uh, bought some houses, you know, on a particular, uh, in a particular area that, you know, we, we bought it from a, a major street and we were working to the West and everything was going really well. And then, um, we ended up buying a house that was, uh, it was about two or three blocks to the East of this major intersection. Right. And it's like, oh, it's only a couple blocks you know, to the east of, of where we, where we're working. Um, you know, the numbers seem to, to look right. That makes sense. So we, we bought the house, um, and, uh, you know, a little, little after we owned it, you know, got broken into, they stole all the plumbing, all the copper, well, yeah, no big deal. We were going to change it anyways. Right. So, um, the, uh, uh, we, we replaced the copper and it got broken into again. So we decided to replace it twice, but it's like, okay, well, we live and learn, um, ended up putting a security system on there and started to tighten up our security. Um, and you know, the, the house was completed. We, we fully renovated it. Uh, you know, house was done. And by this time we had had, you know, several incidents. So we decided, uh, decided to hire an off duty police officer that whenever the alarms would go off, we would call them, send them in the middle of the night, you know, and, and, uh, you know, try to secure the property as best as possible. So house was, uh, house was on the market and, uh, the alarms went off two in the morning. We, we dispatch our, you know, our, our police officer and, uh, he gets to the property and, um, the, uh, nobody was in the house, but it looked like they were, uh, they were trying to drain the water heater. They, you know, they opened up in, in the basement, they opened up the water heater and they were draining the water. And, um, he's looking, uh, he's looking out the back window. He's up on the second floor now checking things out. He's looking out the back window and he, he sees a couple of guys coming over the fence with some tools. And uh, he yells out the window, Hey, what are you guys doing? And they turn around and they go, F you, we found it first. <laughs> um, <Damn. so laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, sometimes it can be a little hardcore. So I, you know, I think the moral of the story is really have to know your neighborhood where you're working. And uh, but uh, um, you know, we uh, we we were. I was never so happy to get out of a project. You know, we we sold it. We got out of there. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, we decided, well, you know what, maybe this isn't, this neighborhood isn't for us. So we moved up to the north side of town where the property values were significantly higher. And uh, guess what? Um, you know, we, we did a house that uh, uh, we, we bought it for, you know, a couple hundred thousand. We did a second story addition on there. We had invested about 450 and we sold it for 850. The numbers were great. But guess what? They break into those houses too. So we had a couple of them. So it's just, you know, again, I, I think it's just uh, an unfortunate reality of, uh, of uh, being a real estate investor is, you know, um, you're working hard to fix up some houses, fix up some neighborhoods, and, and there's just going to be some bad guys out there trying to, trying to get in your way. So, uh, yeah, those were, those were uh, both inner city Chicago, correct. You know, so. But it, you know, again, it's um, uh, it, it happens. Uh, you know, I think it's just universal. Um, you know, there's a uh, lot of lot of uh, problems that happen, and you just have to uh, to adjust and accommodate for that. So, so you mentioned some of the neighborhoods, and I just I just remember this because the first time we talked, I think it was like four years ago, you were talking about your favorite neighborhoods to buy, in, and we literally had the same areas. You were like the South Suburbs, clearing. In particular, I still love clearing, and you're like the northwest suburbs. So, are you still looking in those areas, or have you expanded a bit? Yeah, yeah, I love the. You know, again, you mentioned clearing. I really, I, I look at it more like the uh, the midway area of Chicago. Um, there, there's five neighborhoods over there: Clearing, Garfield Ridge, uh, West Lawn, West Elston, Archer Heights. Um, those are those are. That's where I started. You know, that's where I started. Uh, in the mortgage business, um, that's where I was hanging out with all my realtor friends and, you know, helping people buy and finance. And so I became very comfortable uh, with those neighborhoods. It's just, you know, um, you kind of buy where you know. Um, and uh, actually my very first, as we, as we transitioned from uh, doing flips, you know, because at a certain point, um, you know, we, we started focusing on building a real estate portfolio for rentals. Uh, so my uh, my uh, very first rental property was in uh, was in the Midway area. So that's uh, still dear, uh, close and dear to my heart. Yeah, I love that area. I've never lost in clearing. Um, also, Chrysler Village. It's a smaller one just south of there. I like that area too. Um, awesome stuff. Um, so cool. Like, let's kind of dial it back to the beginning now, Juan. Like when you were first getting started. Let's say more specifically towards the investing side. Like, what what did that journey look like? And what kind of challenges did you face and overcome and things like that? You, you, you know, you never know how you're going to stumble into this world. I kind of, I kind of backed into it, uh, like truly by accident. Um, the, um, so I, I'm a loan officer by trade. I do residential mortgage loans, you know, your Fannie Mae, you know, Fannie Freddie, FHA, VA, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and through along the years, uh, we became specialized in doing 203K mortgages which are basically renovation loans for owner occupants where, you know, the FHA, you can buy a house and get money to fix it up uh, with only three and a half percent down. And um, it's a great product. So started uh, really working with people on doing 203K loans, um, you know, 
uh, working with the borrowers, working with the realtors and the contractors and started, you know, really teaching people how to really make these programs effective. And then one day I was, uh, I was on a ski trip with my buddies. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were uh, out in Colorado having, uh, you know, having some fun, you know, guys weekend. And I asked my buddies, Hey, you know, what do you guys know about these REOs? Right. And they're like, you know, well, what's an REO? I said, well, you know, when the, when the banks, uh, you know, foreclose on properties and then the banks own them and they're trying to sell them, they, they call those real estate owned. Uh, it's just a, you know, line item on their, on their books. And, um, but you know, Hey, there's an opportunity that we can buy, you know, buy some houses, fix them up, turn around and sell them. And, and, uh, what, what do you guys think? And so, you know, me and, a, a you know, a couple of my ski buddies, we, we threw in some money and said, okay, let's give it a try. Right. And, um, the, uh, uh so we, uh, you know, we, we each pulled a little bit of money. We bought a house. We bought it for uh, on the south side of Chicago. Um, this was back in, uh, you know, this was uh, about 2012. So we've been doing this for about 10 years now. Um, bought the house for 27000 um, We ended up uh, putting about 85000 into it. And we sold that house for one eighty-five. And we're like, okay, you know, some, some pretty decent money. And and uh you know the um you know the interesting lesson on that one is okay let's buy the house and we'll hire a contractor first contractor that we hired he um you know lesson learned he showed up with brand new tools right his uh um his crowbars weren't even scuffed a little bit and you know um the uh when they started framing the house uh they put the, instead of putting the two by fours on edge, they put them flat, you know, we're like, oh my God, you know, I'm not a contractor, but uh, this isn't making a whole lot of sense to me, right? So um, I uh, ended up stopping the project and said, whoa, 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 this doesn't, this, this doesn't look right to me, you know? And so we ended up, uh, rather than going with the, with the uh, cheapest contractor, we went with the guy that can get it done. And um, so we, uh, we, we, uh, Got, you know, we got lucky that we found a good, uh, a good uh, experienced contractor in that market. And um, like I said, we bought it for 27, we put 85 into it, sold it for 185. And, and um, you know, uh, that, was a, that was a great, you know, uh, first, uh, first time at bat. Uh, we bought, the next house we bought was up on the, uh, the north side of Chicago. Um, and this, you know, I actually, you know, I, I kind of wholesaled the house without realizing what we did. Um, so we ended up buying that. We bought that house, uh, for 85,000 and, um, the, uh, so we, we bought the house for 85,000. We cut the grass. And, uh, when we started looking at the scope of the, of the project, we're like, this is going to be a lot more work than we think why don't we just, you know, why don't we just turn around, get out of this deal? Let's, uh, let's sell it and try to make some money, uh, put it on the market. And, uh, we ended up selling that house for, I, I think it was like 165,000. So literally we bought it for 85. We cut the grass and sold it for 165. Um, and, and the guy that bought it for 165, you know, it, you know, at, at the end of the day, cause we were looking at the budget and the scope and, we're like, man, these numbers are going to get big. It was a, it was a, um, a bungalow up in Portage Park, right? And uh, kind of some higher end finishes. And, and you know, now I, knowing what I know now, um, the guy that bought it from us, he bought it for one sixty five. 
Uh, he put a second story addition on the house. So I know that, uh, I know he must have spent, you know, two and a quarter, you know, 225 uh, to 250 to do that. And uh, at the end of the day, he sold it for like 525. Um, when you look at it, uh, you know, there's no way that that guy made any money or, or you know, I'm, I'm sure he lost money on the deal. So for me, it was, you know, it was golden that, you know, we, uh, we made uh, a quick buck on it from uh, 85 to 165 and you take out some commissions, you know, we probably made about 65,000 on that in 30 days. And like I said, we, we wholesaled it before I knew what wholesaling really was. Uh, not quite a wholesale because we did close on it, but um, you know what, it, uh, the deal worked for us. And then, you know, we've proceeded to, um, we've proceeded to probably uh, do about 50, uh, 50 either flips or buy and holds. Um, the, I, transitioned, I transitioned my focus from just flipping houses into building a portfolio. And, uh, you know, we really implemented the, the Burr method. Um, uh, you know, one, one of the things that was interesting is when we were flipping houses, um, we had never used any sort of financing. Everything was, uh, was kind of the snowball effect based on the initial investment that we had made. We bought it, we fixed it, we sold it, we made a little bit of money, we reinvested, 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 and that, that was all, you know, uh, working fine. And then we, you know, decided to build a, a, a you know, a cash flow portfolio. And um, following the really the same methodology that we did when we were flipping houses, um, we started to uh, to acquire, uh, buy them, fix them, rent them, and at that point refinance them. Um, and uh, you know, I think part of our success was built on on the fact that we were um, fixing and renting houses uh, that needed repair. We weren't just trying to go out and acquire real estate. We were creating value add. We were creating some sweat equity in each home. Absolutely. Um, I love that you just mentioned Portage Park. So I grew up just east of there. Um, I, I grew up on Lowell in Irving Park. So, I mean, I, that was my first house. It was a nice little Victorian. Um, so cool. Um, really love that story. So like, where did it go from there? Did you hit any huge roadblocks? Like, were there any major challenges that you had to overcome? Or, or did it I mean, since you're already in the industry, was it a little bit smoother of a process for you? You know, I think a, a great deal of my success came that, you know, uh, been in the been in the finance world for a really long time, understood the, the number side of things. Um, this was more of a game of finance than anything. Um, the uh, one thing that really uh, helped us accelerate as we as we, you know, uh, as we were um, trying to build a portfolio, it was like, well, we transitioned from being all cash and then we started financing, uh, doing some, you know, commercial, uh, you know, taking out some commercial loans uh, to buy them, fix them, and then, you know, refinance, implement the Burr method. And, um, you know, it was just kind of like, well, if I'm going to be able to hit the numbers that I want to hit in the time I want to hit them, I, I've got to do this. Uh, I, I've got to, I've got to do this quicker. And then, you know, kind of through my network, we started taking on some private money loans um, that, you know, a lot of these houses are, are small and, and affordable that, um, you know, I, I could uh, buy a house for, you know, we were buying houses for 70, 80,000, putting, you know, 40,000 into them and, and, you know, they were worth 160, 180, 200. 
So if you can if you can buy it for eighty and put forty into it, you're you know you're in at one twenty. And uh, if, if you can appraise that at you know one sixty to one eighty, uh, you're able to get all your capital out. So I was able to kind of start stacking quickly by using some private money loans, and that and my my private money lenders were really uh, focused on you know my experience. Hey, we by this point we've done 30, 40 deals. Um, I know the finance game. I know the market. We're you know we we were pretty well versed, and so my my private money guys were willing to lend me 100% of acquisition and rehab. So um, now I can buy it and fix it. And knowing the lending guidelines, the lending guidelines basically say that if um, that if I used all that money to borrow it, to, to buy it and fix it, and I borrow that money day one, um, I'm able to do a rate and term refinance as, you know, as soon as possible. There is no seasoning requirement versus some investors might come in and say, hey, I'm gonna buy it and fix it with my own cash. And now they come to me and say, I wanna refinance, hey, I'm happy to help you, but it's gonna take me, we have to wait six months until that, uh, until that original acquisition is seasoned. So understanding the guidelines, it's, hey, hey Tim, I wanna buy and fix this house. Would you lend me 120 grand? It's worth 180, here's all the comps. Uh, here's what we've done, here's my portfolio. And yeah, that's a good bet. Uh, and you're willing to lend me that money, uh, I can I can buy it, fix it, rent it, and come back and refinance it. I can do the whole cycle in 120 days, um, and I'm not using any of my cash, so I'm able to do you know three, four, five projects at a time, and you know in a very short period of time, in about a year and a half, we were able to build a portfolio with 20 doors on it, and uh, and doing some pretty good cash flow. Um, then, you know, again, you asked me what was my stumbling block? Well, COVID hit and didn't know which way the market was going to go. Uh, I had, um, I think at the time, um, I think at the time I had like five uh, houses under contract and I mean, we were humming along, I had five houses under contract and COVID hit and the world's about to shut down. You know, I, uh, you know, again, I regret it, but uh, I pulled the plug on all five deals. We said, you know what, we'll lose our earnest money. Uh, we, we just don't know where this is going to go. And uh, we, we canceled out of each one of those deals. And now looking back, we all know that it's like real estate values doubled in the last two years. And it's like, oh, I wish I had them. But, you know, uh, for me, I'm always going to take the, the safe bet, if you would. Um, and you know, we built a nice portfolio and now, uh, now we're, uh, just getting back, uh, getting back into the ring and looking for great deals and, and the, you know, the rental values have gone crazy and out of control. Uh, another, another big major stumbling block is, you know, we talked about the South suburbs, right? I, I, a lot of our rentals are in the South suburbs, but then the, uh, the community started to push back and say, Hey, we're not going to allow any more rentals. So I was buying some properties that um, some 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 insane cash flow. That uh, I bought a house uh, bought a house for sixty about sixty five thousand, and the house was really done. We literally only put in eight thousand ten thousand bucks. Um, uh, so we probably uh, um, and and I, here here's a funny story. Let me uh, let me step back on that one. So we've been doing the Burr method, right? We want to buy it. We want to fix it. We want to rent it, refinance. We want to get all of our capital back out. And I found this house that 
Um, uh, it was a it was a house in the south suburbs in Country Club Hills, right? Little three bedroom, one bath ranch. Uh, house was nothing, and literally the only thing that we needed to do uh, there was uh, there was a couple of city violations. The gutters were full of you know garbage. We had to put on new gutters. Uh, we had to fix a little patch in the driveway, and we had to put a uh, metal threshold between the tile and the carpet. Literally, that was it, right? And, and we had to uh, we had to fix a fence that was uh, that was falling over, um, and uh, it, it ended up costing us uh, probably six grand in rehab. Um, and uh, so I, I brought the the, the property, uh, you know, to my group, and I said, "Oh, here's the deal. What do you guys think? Should we get it?" And one of my um, one of my partners happens to be a real estate appraiser, right? So um, the uh, one thing that I didn't mention is my ski buddies, uh, when, remember I said this all started with some, some buddies going skiing. Well, it turns out my ski buddies is one guy was a, real, was a uh, contractor and the other guy was a, was a real estate appraiser. So, um, you know, kind of the deck was stacked in my favor, I believe, you know, just uh, I, I had a really good team built right from day one. Um, but I, I brought the deal to my to my group and I say, hey, what do you guys think of this? We can buy it for sixty five thousand. The house is already done, and and um, you know, uh, uh, what do you think? And my uh, one of my partners, who happens to be the appraiser, he goes, well, I, I don't see how we can do this deal because if we uh, and by the way, the house was probably worth uh, uh, one one sixty, one sixty five, one seventy, um, you know, when we were acquiring it. And, uh, you know, I said, what do you guys think of this one? And, and my partner, who's the appraiser, says, well, the, the system's not going to work for us because there's, there's nothing we can do to repair it and actually create more value. Um, it, it's already in good shape. And we're, we're kind of scratching our head going, hey, you're right. You know, how are we going to do this one? And, and um, I said, well, here's a thought. Why don't we just put 25% down? And buy it because right? we're so you get so used to fixing them to refinance them i said guys why don't we why don't we literally just buy it the way most other people buy real estate we put 25 percent down and uh we tie up a little bit of cash you know some of the cash that we've made on other deals we sink it into this one and they're like hey that's not a bad idea right but initially it was like no 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 we can't do this one so we ended up buying that house for you know sixty five thousand. We put twenty five percent down on sixty five thousand guys. What is it? Uh, Fifteen grand, right? Something ridiculous, right? So I think we we took out a forty eight thousand dollar mortgage on that house, um, and uh, you know, and we had to do some repairs. So maybe we were out of pocket uh, twenty five grand on it. Um, house appraised, I think that house appraised somewhere about 170-ish or so. And uh, we, uh, we put a tenant in there. We, we um, you know, again, uh, we do like Section 8 tenants. Um, we, you know, uh, so we put a Section 8 tenant in, in that house. Uh, I think we collect uh, uh, all in after they take out for utility and expenses. I think we net $1,917 on that house. And, um, you know, we're, we're carrying a $50,000 mortgage. Um, you know, that, that house, uh, we're, we're making a net cash flow on that probably about 1000 or $1,100 a month. 
Um, and this was a, and this was, you know, pro that's probably one of my best acquisitions. And we looked at it and said, oh, I don't know if we can do it because we can't do the Burr method. Well, how about right? just the buy it <laughs> method? Yeah, right? take the money method. That's funny. So exactly. So that, you know, again, you kind of, because you get, you, you know, I, I think we get blinders on and we're only thinking uh, that we can put a deal together one way. And, you know, again, if it's a great deal, you got to flip over the stone and, you know, what else can we do to make this work? Speaking of being creative and making things work, it sounds like you were in the business before the crash of 2008. Is that accurate? Been doing mortgages for okay. about 25 Wonderful. years now. So I love interviewing people that have been through at least one market shift and, and whatnot. Can you talk about that time and what you had to do to pivot to make it through and continue to thrive? You know, I got in the mortgage business in 95. Um, I got in right after the first refi boom, you know, it's like, uh, money was just falling off the trees and, you know, life was pretty good. It's like, uh, you know, what, what, um, you know, uh, uh, it was a little surreal at the time, you know, the, the, the way the business was running and, and, and everybody, you know, anybody who could print a business card, you know, could call themselves a loan officer and, you know, come out and, uh, and make some money. So, um, the, uh, I, I did the loan officer. I really focused on being the, you know, great loan originator, great loan officer for a lot of years that I really wasn't, um, I wasn't looking at the other opportunities in terms of being a real estate investor. And, and I just, I was just building my loan business. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, from 95 to, the, you know, 2008, 9, 10, when the, when, you know, the, the mortgage meltdown happened, um, you know, we, we were, uh, we went from living, uh, living large to then going into survival mode. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, built a, built a, you know, strong, strong referral business. And, uh, as I had mentioned, we, um, we had been focusing on the renovation products, the 203Ks, that was a little bit of a niche for us. Um, and I, I would say one of my regrets is we, uh, I wasn't thinking investor in, you know, 2008, 9, 10, uh, when a lot of people built, uh, massive portfolios, uh, where you literally, you know, what I thought was a great deal at 65, I could have bought that a few years earlier. You know, they were selling those houses for, you know, 30, $40,000, uh, you know, um, and great, great, uh, properties. Um, and, you know, so it really wasn't until that, you know, 2000 and, and, you know, I had, uh, um, I guess you're, you know, what you're good at. I was good at doing loans. I, uh, was thinking, well, I really don't want to be a landlord. I don't want people calling me, you know, in the middle of the night with toilets and, you know, God knows what. And, you know, so I, I had kind of sold myself on that idea of, I really don't want to be dealing uh, with tenant issues and let's just go do a few more loans and make a little bit more money. And, and, um, you know, and then, you know, again, I, I kept that, uh, I kept that mindset. Uh, when we started investing in real estate, they were there, Let, let's just flip houses, let's buy it, fix it and sell it. And let's make some money and move on to the next. And let's just have some fun. And, you know, and all of that was, was great. Um, but one of the, one of the realities that I, that I started to look at is 
when this uh, when this game is done, you know, it doesn't matter how many mortgages I did, you know, how many uh, people I helped get into houses or how many, you know, uh, investment portfolios I helped build. I've been paid what I'm going to be paid. And, you know, it's uh, I've made my money uh, take it and run. Right. Um, And even with the real estate investing and flipping houses, when you buy it, you fix it, you sell it, you make some money, but you get paid once and you're done. Um, And that's where the mindset really shifted of, you know, hey, listen, I need to build a portfolio that if I have enough properties that uh, that, you know, that that we're collecting rents on. Uh, someday, you know, I can stop doing what, uh, you know, what I enjoy doing because I have, you know, I have a, a pretty good time doing this. Uh, hopefully that shows in, in the stories, right? Um, but someday when I'm done, I want to be able to maintain a certain lifestyle and that's going to happen through, um, through, you know, uh, through cash flow, uh, through cash flow properties, right? Um, the, uh, uh, like like every like a lot of people, I, you know, I've got my money invested in the stock market, and I've got my financial planners who, you know, who kind of uh, deal with that part of my financial life. Um, but it's it, you know, I, I would say that that's not something that overly excites me. I don't sit there and watch you know the, the Dow Jones and the S and P. I'm aware of what's happening, but um, that that doesn't really uh, excite me to to go look for that next uh, you know ticker symbol. Um, I, I guess I enjoy, uh, I like saying, I like, uh, I like having dust under my shoes. I don't like having dust on my hands. I don't necessarily do the work, but I, I enjoy having dust on my shoes. Right. Um, and, uh, I get a kick out of seeing the transformation with these properties and, uh, uh, and it's, uh, you know, just uh, to me, it's a lot of fun. That is my, my entertainment. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Tim mentioned a story before you came on. I guess you guys had connected a couple years ago it sounds like and sounds like you had worked up kind of a napkin sort of retirement plan for tim so out of curiosity like whether it's his specific experience or just in general like someone approaches you and says hey i've got a napkin here can you help me map out my future what's what's typically your process to help him get there wow i you know i haven't done that napkin presentation in quite a bit tim um the you know, um, 
what what basically what uh, what that was was the premise of the burst strategy. Um, you know, we were uh, we were really talking about um, you know to be able to uh, um, you know buy a property. Uh, you know, again the the strategy really being that look, uh, I go out and I look at a piece of real estate. I need to be able to buy it and fix it at seventy percent of market value. Um, so if it's worth two hundred thousand dollars, seventy percent is one forty. If it's going to cost me fifty thousand to fix it, I have to acquire that home at ninety thousand dollars or less, right? And um, so if I buy it and fix it for one forty, um, we know that uh, through through traditional financing, I can come back and do a rate and term refinance up to seventy five percent of market value. So if it's worth 200,000 and now we want to refinance it, I can basically get 75% or I can get a mortgage for $150,000. And that the intention of that is to really pay off the acquisition and rehab funds, which were the 140. Plus, you know, you have some transactional expenses, some, you know, some refinance costs. So um, if you can buy it and fix it for 70%, we can refinance it at 75% and basically get you out of that, uh, get you all of your capital back um, on that deal so that you can go and do it again, right? And that was the, that was the premise of, uh, of my uh, napkin uh, presentation, right? The, um, uh, and and if, uh, if you do that over and over and over, again, in my experience, you know, we have found some, some uh, really great cash flow opportunities that you know, we're cash flowing, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month uh, per property, and uh, it starts to add up really, really quickly. You know, my uh, my first member, I told you guys that I transitioned from uh, I transitioned from flipping to building a rental portfolio. Right, my very first rental, uh, and Tim, you'll know this. My very first rental is about two, three blocks west of Pulaski on 59th Street, right? Just right in the heart of the of West Elston. Um, so the, uh, um, I, I was able to uh, acquire that property um, through kind of a strange connection. Uh, when, my, when my kids were in marching band, uh, or my kids were in high school, they were in marching band. And one day, one of the dads from the band, uh, you know, his kids in the band too, calls me up and says, hey, um, you know, uh, I, I hear you, uh, you buy real estate or you fix up houses. I said, yeah, you know, he goes, you know, maybe, um, maybe you'd want to uh, buy my mom's house. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I'd love, love to take a look at it. And, you know, so we had uh, some pleasantries and it just kind of stayed there. And he calls me, you know, a few weeks later, he goes, hey, are you serious about, you know, being able to buy my mom's house? I said, sure. When can I go take a look at it? And and, um, you know, long, long story short, we went to go take a look at the house and I couldn't get, I couldn't even get in the door, you know, the hoarder situation, right? Just stuff everywhere. Couldn't even get in the door. And I said, listen, I'd love to buy the house, but, um, I can't even get in. I can't assess the condition of it. I have to assume that everything, everything is gotta go and, you know, um, and I'll buy it based on that number. So I uh, ended up purchasing that property. We bought that house for 70 grand. Um, and we ended up taking five 30 yard dumpsters of garbage out of the house. 
there's a, that's a lot of material, right? So, but yeah. interestingly enough, once we pulled everything out of the house, it almost seemed like the same stuff that was in there had actually protected the house, right? It was like the house was in good condition. It had been preserved by all of the stuff. I don't know, it, it kind of crazy. So <clears throat> cost us about 40 grand to, to bring that one back to life. Um, the, uh, interestingly, I, when I, when I was able to kind of peek down, I saw there was some water in the basement. I couldn't quite tell. And as it looked, there's, you know, you got, you got some moisture down in the basement. God knows what we're going to find when we get there. And sure. In fact, it was, it was pretty nasty. Um, and if you've ever water, wondered about your water bill in the city of Chicago, this was a house that didn't have a meter on it, right? The main line, here's the interesting thing. Nobody had been in the basement for God knows how many years. And the house was, was uh, she wasn't even living in there anymore. It was just, it was literally just the hoarder house. Um, the main line actually had broken off and the water was pouring into the basement. The only thing that saved that house was there was a shower in the basement that as the water level was rising, it was pouring into the shower basin, right? So it was just this constant flow of water coming in. When we peeled all of the garbage back, it was literally a fountain with the water main, you know? And God knows how long that had been there. So if you ever wonder why is your water bill so high is because, you know, hey, houses like that, how many houses are like that? But the only thing that saved it was, again, there was a drain in the shower that uh, kept the water from becoming a swimming pool. Well, and with no meter, so, how do they know how much water she was using? Exactly. Exactly. It was just, you know, kind of she was grandfathered in before a meter. And it was just, you know, uh, they, they figured how much water can a little old lady use, right? So, um, so that house, that house was, again, my first rental. We, um, we bought it for 70, put about 40 grand into it. And uh, when we went to appraise it, uh, Tim, you know that neighborhood, that how, it was a Chicago, uh, Chicago style, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, called Chicago Cape Cod, just kind of like an A-frame, right? An A-frame with the attic and whatever. So um, the, uh, we bought, uh, we appraised that house. I believe that house appraised around $250,000. So we did, uh, on that one, we took a cash out refi to 75%. We, um, we took a loan on it for like 165 and, uh, you know, it cost us about 110, 120 to buy, to buy it and fix it. We took 165 and uh, that was the start of our rental portfolio. And, Remember that that house that uh, that we just said, hey, sixty five thousand. Let's put twenty five percent down. That's where the seed money for that house came out, right? Um, and uh, you know, again, that uh, we've had that house for probably five years now, and we're um, you know we've we've got it rented that that house uh, over in West uh, West Elson. We've got it rented for nineteen hundred bucks a month. Um, it uh, you know covers covers itself. It makes us some money. And it gave us working capital for the second house, which, you know, makes us 1100 bucks. So between those two houses, we're, uh, we're in pretty good shape. And, and, uh, and that's where the portfolio got started. And now you have 20 doors. It sounds like you're financially free. You just get to work when you want to, but you don't have to because you've got income pouring in. We've got some income pouring in. Yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. So you know, again, uh, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, uh, we believe that uh, uh, as the market shifts again, uh, as uh, as you know, again, COVID, uh, COVID, uh, uh, horrible situation for you know a lot of people. That you know, there's going to uh, there's going to uh, be you know more inventory. You know. Uh, coming from distressed distressed property sales, you know the foreclosures, pre foreclosures, uh, you know the the auctions, uh, probates, all of that stuff will will uh, create opportunities, and you know just have to um, you know have have a disciplined approach uh, as 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 we build this. You know the um, again that napkin presentation has never really changed. It's you know, buy it and fix it at 70% market value um, and be able to refinance it at 75. I get my money out and I keep going to the next. And, you know, really keeping some some discipline to that. Um, you know, again, property values have skyrocketed. There's a lot of, there's a lot of deals that, uh, boy, hey, I'd love to have that house, but the numbers just don't work. You know, I'll sit tight. Uh, I had somebody just presented one to me yesterday in South Holland, and um, and, and and again it was like, hey, you know, I'd, I've been around a little bit. Then my first question is like, hey, is that house on the rent rolls? Is that already registered as a rental? Because uh, they're not they're not allowing any new ones, right? Um, and uh, you know, and, and again it was like, what's uh, you know, what are they asking? What's the rehab cost? What's the ARV? And, uh, and the response back was, well, you know, this is really more of a, uh, this one's really more about the long-term cash flow. Um, you're not going to be able to get your money out of this one. I'm like, okay, then I'll just say, <laughs> right. thanks. Um, yeah. um, you said that was an A-frame. Did you pop the top right. on that one? So, no, 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 no. Um, the, uh, this was just simply a, uh, um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, remodel. It was, it was a strange layout in the beginning. We uh, we took out uh, we took out a bedroom on the main floor to open up the kitchen. Um, we uh, finished the attic, so we put two bedrooms in the attic, one bedroom on the main floor, and we put two bedrooms in the basement, uh, along with another bathroom in the basement. So it was, you know, it's a total of five bedrooms, two baths, um, and uh, you know. Uh, Came out great, uh, beautiful little house, and uh, and um, you know we're able to make a little money. So, you know, on that uh, uh, that particular transaction, still leveraging my private money lenders, um, I was able to. Uh, so I bought that house using a private money loan. Um, so I, I uh, acquisition was 100% on the private money loan. Um, I funded the rehab costs out of pocket. Um, and then, you know, we were able to, uh, to make, uh, to make that profit. Beautiful. So a lot of us have experienced some pretty amazing benefits of market lift these last 10 or so years. Obviously it appears that might be over. We're not hundred percent sure yet, but we could be in the last days of market lift, maybe even going into, you know, where the market starts dropping. How are you preparing and shifting or if any, your perspectives on your strategy as we go into an uncertain time so you know um this all sounds fun right We're, we have a good time we share some good stories but there you know again there is work that goes to it and there are some uh, there are some challenges that come along with it um one of the things that we're doing is any um in all reality is 
any prop any properties that are problematic for us uh you know we're kind of pruning those off um that uh you know again we uh we had a we had a property that uh, uh, uh through covid you know the bad tenant you know it was it was a a bad tenant we put her in there she uh um by the way, if anybody ever shows up and they give you, they prepay, you know, the first three, four, six months and a large security, you know, at the end, they, they put a big wad of cash in your hand. Uh, it's probably because they didn't pay their previous landlord for a really long time. Word, word to the wise, right? So we, we, um, we uh, um, you know, kind of got suckered in on that one that uh, the woman paid me a three month security deposit and three months up front. And that was the only money we ever got from her. Um, and through COVID there's no evictions, right? What are you gonna do? And, and um, you know, we were, uh, we were kind of, we got lucky. Think, uh, we, we tend to get really lucky. We're not that good, we're just really lucky. Um, but uh, we were able to uh, apply through Ida, Illinois Housing Development Authority, uh, had like a rescue fund uh, for uh, for tenants who were in trouble, right? Um, so we were, although she never paid us, uh, we were able to be brought up to speed uh, or, or get caught up, if you would. Uh, we received uh, like 14 months rent, uh, 14 months back rent from Ida. And uh, so that was, you know, uh, that was, uh, uh, nice, uh, you know, again, nice, uh, I don't know, $24,000, $25,000 check uh, that plugs a big hole. But, you know, again, that house was uh, problematic. Uh, we finally, you know, uh, after that check came in, she never paid another one. So it's time to go start the foreclosure or the the uh, starting the eviction proceedings. And, you know, she, she ended up abandoning the property, uh, which is kind of the best thing that happened for us. Um, we decided to fix it up and we're gonna, you know, we're just gonna prune it from our portfolio, sell it and, you know, put some money in the bank. So we've got like right now, um, we're, we're in the process of selling three properties. Um, the, uh, anything, like I said, mostly anything which is, has been problematic, um, it, it, you know, bad property, bad tenant, whatever. Let's just get rid of it and uh, and uh, it, you know keep having some fun. So again, as you said, we're probably at the height of the market that uh, you know we're uh, we might see a we might see a pullback, um, uh, or at least they're you know they might not continue to go up. So if we can take our chips off the table for a little bit, that's okay. So um, the uh, like I said, we're we're going to uh, liquidate uh, three of our properties. Uh, we're um, we're we're going to uh, take them off our books, and uh, you know just bank some cash, and that's uh, that's okay. I think I think in the in the future we're going to see some big opportunities come along. Uh, so we want to you know kind of be uh, uh, prepared for that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that thorough answer. One, I would love to get into what you're doing with HomeBridge now. Um, obviously, you do a lot of investor-friendly loans and stuff like that. So can we kind of get into what kind of services you can offer to the audience, perhaps? Yeah. So the, um, the, so 
at this point, you know, we've kind of come to learn um, that uh, real estate financing is more of a tapestry of products, right? When I was when I was a you know young guy in the mortgage business, um, you know, people would come, you know, kind of with with at, at the time they were unusual strategies, the Carlton Sheets type strategies, right? It's like, oh, no, 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 none of that, you know, none of that uh, is legit. You can't do that. That's not allowed, um, you know, because we, we're walking around with these blinders, right? That we're saying, listen, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, these are the only rules that we know. These are the only rules that exist, right? Uh, that was my, uh, that was, you know, my perspective as a loan guy. Um, so now being, you know, being on this side of the world for, for quite a bit, we understand that there's a lot of different options available, right? Uh, between the, you know, commercial lending, the, you know, private money, the joint ventures, cash, a lot of different things. And we understand, we kind of, we understand the ins and outs of, of, of lending um, and where we at Homebridge or as a residential lender, where we can best, you know, uh, support an investor. So one of the products that we have is our investor cash flow program, because um, as you know, as a real estate investor, you got money you got money flying in and out. Uh, our, our tax returns can be a little complicated. Um, the uh, um, you know, and, and we're running around all over town, and then for me to say, hey, listen, I need I need your uh, last uh, two years uh, tax returns, and you're like, oh man, I. I I'm, you know, I'm ripping my hair out just trying to keep up and now you want me to document the world. And so the the solution to that has been our investor cash flow program. So if you guys are, are as investors, uh, you know, you're buying and fixing properties, um, you know, if you, you can buy it, fix it, get it rented. Um, and when it's time to refinance, uh, our investor cash flow is if the market rent if the market rent exceeds the total payment by at least one dollar, um, that property qualifies for the investor cash flow loan. There's no tax returns, no 1099s. Um, we we don't really need to see any of that, and that's been a, a great value add for our investor clients. That um, you know we've been able to help them scale. You know because everybody's everybody's needs and wants are different. Some people are happy with five properties and other people, you know, they want 35 properties. So we, we've learned how to, you know, how to help investors scale um, and, uh, you know, using, uh, using, you know, different, uh, you know, different uh, uh, strategies with the, with the LLCs and, and, uh, and the investor cash flow programs, um, we're, we're able to, uh, um, to do some, uh, some pretty cool stuff. Um, the, uh, the other part of it is, um, again, a, a big part of our business continues to be your first time investor, right? So as, uh, as, as a young person coming into the business, you know, hey, you want to go buy your own, you want to go buy your own place and say, I want to buy a condo, I want to buy a house. And, you know, maybe you qualify well, or maybe you're, you're struggling to get into what you want. You know, one of our very first suggestions is going to be house hacking. You know, let's buy a multi-unit property, um, you know, buy a multi-unit property where you can live in one unit, rent out, you know, rent out the other couple of units. Um, the total, the total rental on that property uh, can help you qualify. Um, 
and we'll, you know, again, if uh, uh, to take that to the extreme is we want to, we really want to help somebody uh, buy a, you know, two, three, four unit building using an FHA 203K where they buy it uh, that needs a little bit of work. And by the way, on these renovations, it's not about, you know, rebuilding it down to the last brick. You know, I'm a big proponent of cosmetic repairs, right? Um, it's, uh, it's uh, something gets into something structural, uh, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in, in those types of things. So, um, but again, uh, that first time investor purchasing a three or four unit building with a 203K, um, you know, again, uh, FHA loan limit on a, on a four unit building is up into the $900,000. So that's quite a bit of, quite a bit of leverage. So if, if you're a, you know, uh, somebody looking to get into this and, and you wanted to buy a, like I said, a three or a four unit, imagine you can buy a, buy the shell for 500,000, get 200,000 to fix it up all in at $700,000, right? And you can buy that for only three and a half percent down. Um, so as investors, you know, 700,000, three and a half percent down is uh, what about $25,000, right? So for 25,000 into the deal, you can get money to buy it and fix it. Um, as seasoned investors, you know, that's, that's a huge opportunity, right? And in the right part of town, you buy it for five, put 200,000 into it, and it's appraising for a million bucks. Um, that's a, that's a huge, uh, step up for that first time investor and somebody who's willing to go down that path. The cool part about that is that once they see that those two or three other units are helping to pay the mortgage, they already have an investor mindset, right? So for me to say, okay, when are you ready to buy your next one? Right. It's not convincing them that real estate's a good avenue. They already know it. Um, so that, that's how we're kind of building our mortgage business is, is helping that first time investor get started. Um, knowing that we have a, you know, a great, uh, great, uh, product that, you know, uh, that helps implement that Burr method, the Burr strategy, um, that, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day is if you bought it right, right. That if you bought it and fix it for 70% and we can refinance the 75%, um, all of those numbers being correct, that you should be buying properties that are making you money, right? So easy to qualify. It's like, hey, this property makes me three, four, five hundred dollars a month in positive cash flow. Well, you qualified once it made one, right? So it uh, we're going to use a hundred percent of market rent to to, to offset the uh, total mortgage payment. And and look, I guess I'm going to say is. If you're buying a property that you're not building equity and it's not a positive cash flow property, my question is, why are you buying it? Right? We're we're not in the uh, we're not in the tax shelter business, right? I don't I don't even think those things exist anymore. That you know this isn't uh, this isn't for you know high income attorneys and doctors who just want to take a tax shelter. Um, that's not uh, my typical client. We're, we're looking to make real money and create real equity. Absolutely. Fantastic answer one. So obviously you have a ton to offer in terms of real estate investing experience as well as, um, on the mortgage side. So if anybody from our audience wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, my cell phone number, uh, is 708-945-6424. 
Again, 708-945-6424. Call me, text me. Uh, just have them mention this podcast and, uh, you know, we'll put them at the top of the list. Try to try to get to everybody quickly. But, uh, you know, we uh, we definitely appreciate, you know, uh, doing business with friends. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. There you have it, everybody. Um, whether or not you're new or seasoned, it seems like reaching out to Juan would be a wise thing to do, especially if you're in the Chicagoland area. But Juan, are, you cover other markets as well, correct? We do. We do. Uh, so I do work as a team. So I have, uh, I have, uh, you know, uh, several partners. I think between us all, we probably have uh, 12 or 14 states covered, but uh, the company we do business in, uh, we're licensed in every state but Utah. I don't know why not Utah, but, uh, um, you know, we can, we can handle, uh, we can handle business in every state but Utah. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, my personal team, you know, we, uh, we've got the licenses in you know, Florida, California, Texas, Arizona, a lot of the Sunbelt stuff, um, you know, where we see people leaving, leaving the Midwest and going to the South, uh, uh we've got those States covered and, and, you know, a lot of great, a uh, lot of great, uh, uh, real estate opportunities everywhere. So, um, love them all. Well, Juan, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business. And to everyone else out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and make sure to implement that in the next seven days and share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 